to Thick and Thin with me, Katie Bilotti. It's Thursday. We're back with a brand new episode. This episode is extra special because I have a very, very powerful story of a very powerful woman that I'm going to share with you guys today, Toni Morrison, in honor of Black History Month. I wanted to talk about someone who really made waves in the black community and just overall was a really badass bitch. (laughs) So I want to talk about her. I'm going to get into that in a second. But before I do, I just want to kind of, you know, unwind with you guys, talk about my life, whatever, fill you guys in on what I've been up to in my little 650 square foot Manhattan apartment that I'm sitting in right now. And I'm actually staring at this plant that I now am realizing is dying. I need to water it. (laughs) But all I have is coffee right here. So anyway, uh, what do I have going on? So this weekend, I'm going to Boston. Um, I go to Boston every once in a while because I do have a lot of friends that live there that ended up there after college. Uh, Three of my previous college roommates actually live in Boston, so I'm visiting, I'm staying with one of them, seeing the other two at some point, um, which is really fun because, I mean, most of my friends ended up in New York post-grad, but not all of them did, so it's good to see everyone else, and Boston is where most of them ended up, so I'm going there this weekend. Um, A lot to do in the next couple of weeks. I'm actually not doing a lot of fashion week stuff. You guys are asking me that constantly on my Instagram DMs. I'm not a huge fashion week person, to be honest. I'll go to the parties, but the shows and, you know, all that prep just doesn't really interest me because I feel like, not that I don't like fashion, fashion is great and I'm interested in that, but there's just something about like the the vanity or not even the vanity, that's the the wrong word, but like, how do I say this nicely? People, influencers specifically, have this sort of like, there's just like all this unnecessary hype surrounding Fashion Week, I find. It's like, it's not even about the clothes anymore. It's about what you're invited to and what expensive outfit you're wearing to what show. And it's not even about the art anymore. And I I don't know if that's like a widespread opinion, but that's how I kind of see it. And I'm saying that in the nicest way possible. I'm just like not really participating in Fashion Week, aside from like a couple of parties here and there with brands I'm excited about and people that, you know, sound exciting to me. I don't know. Anyway. I digress. That is how, that's how my weeks are going. Um, but I have a lot of projects I'm working on. I'm working on a couple of wedding packages. I'm doing a ton of video stuff as usual, which is my passion, and I love that. Um, I actually just signed up for a new, or I got accepted rather. I signed, I, I applied like months ago. I got accepted at this new co-working space slash social space. It's called Soho House. You guys might have heard of it. It's also a social space, but I use it as an office during the day, and I go there. Uh, It's so nice, you know, and just the vibes there. Everyone's super creative. They only accept creatives and people in, like, the entertainment slash media slash creative spaces, so everyone is working on very similar projects there, and it it just feels great. There's a lot of connections, a lot of events that they do. And of course, it's also a great social spot and they make great martinis. So I've been going there during the day, but I actually, they have a no photo rule. So I haven't really been able to document these journeys to Soho House because I can't post them on social media. So you guys don't even know I'm there, which is honestly probably good because it makes me focus on what I'm doing. But anyway, so I also hired an assistant, as you guys know. I'm trying to think of other updates I have for you guys. Um, I'm going to South Carolina later this month. Um, from the 21st, I'm looking at my calendar behind you guys, or behind the microphone, you can't see me. Um, the 21st through the 27th, I'm actually in South Carolina. I'm giving a, or delivering, however you say it, a keynote speech slash talk um, on campus, on South Carolina's campus. I'm pretty positive it's only open to students, 
but if you reach out to I'll have the link in the show notes to the event you guys can check out the event and if you're nearby I'm sure I don't, I'm not really sure how it works but we'll, we'll sneak you in maybe um, but basically what I'm talking about is kind of just my post-grad advice and how I've gotten to this point where I am now quitting my job just like the implications of doing something a little bit out of the ordinary and just kind of giving my advice things I wish I'd known Um, and it's going to be a really great conversation it's mostly me talking but I'm also going to answer questions which I'm so excited about so that's happening later this month I'm also going to San Diego um, for a trip with a really awesome tech brand I can't talk about yet but it's very cool and that's really my month guys Um, I just wanted to kind of give you an update on what's going on in February February is crazy but I think February is like a great month of just you know January was kind of like hell on earth I'm really glad we're done with that now Um, Um, So yeah, on to a new fresh chapter of the book of our lives. Um, And speaking of books, I wanted to kind of make this whole episode surrounding the idea of of books, of stories, of the stories that are important but hard to tell because I feel like my whole life has really revolved around storytelling and around books. I have had such a love for books. I'm actually propping up my iMac computer with three of my favorite books right now because I wanted it like higher up so I can see because I, I felt I found myself like slouching a little bit when I was on my computer so I put up my my iMac higher up so now my I feel like my back is straighter I've been having a lot of like Lyme complications recently because of the weather I think and just stress um, which I'm not under a ton of stress but like even any little wave of stress I feel like my Lyme symptoms increasing and so my back has been bothering me so hopefully this will help I've been taking some baths which is annoying because I have to take like hot baths for them to work on my spine and my muscles but my eczema gets irritated with hot water so it's like okay which one am I gonna work on right now you know it's like I have to pick and choose which problem I'm gonna tackle anyway so yes books stories that's what we're talking about today I actually when I was reading about Toni Morrison the woman I'm gonna speak about later in the episode a lot of past memories that I kind of um I've kind of, what's the word where you kind of like, oh, suppressed. I suppressed these memories. Like I didn't really remember them. Like they weren't the forefront. They weren't something I thought about on a daily basis or even a weekly or monthly basis. And these memories just kind of popped out. And I was like, wow, it's crazy when you start learning and hearing about other people's stories, how certain things from your from your life just like resurface and you're like wow this this happened and this was crazy and I need to revisit this because this really impacted me in some way so um books and stories you know I remember the first time I mean controversial books and stories especially this is what I really want to talk about things that aren't you know the most easy to digest books you know there's plenty of books in school we read that were very hard to digest and that was the whole point of reading them in school was because our professors wanted us to think critically and think of things that weren't our typical lives. And I'm gonna get into that with Tony's story a lot more. She was actually a professor in her own right, but for me, I remember the first controversial book that I read was in elementary school, and it was Chicken Soup for the Soul. Um, I think I talked about this, actually I mentioned Chicken Soup for the Soul in my last episode, and I love Chicken Soup for the Soul because it has like such a collection of different stories. But there was this one story in particular, and I meant to call my mom before I recorded this and get details, but it completely slipped my mind. But I know it was a very controversial story in this book. And I was in elementary school, so I was probably in like third grade. And I remember reading, checking it out in the library. We could check out any books. There weren't any books off limits in the library. Um, And I checked out this book, and I remember getting to this one story in the book. And I believe it was either about rape or incest. I think it was rape. 
story. And the story was in this book that was meant for kids, or was in the kids section. They had it in the library, but clearly it was meant for like an older audience. And I remember reading this, showing my mom and asking her a question about it because I didn't understand like the sadness surrounding I didn't know what sex was I didn't know where babies came from I didn't know anything so I remember showing my mom this and I remember her I don't know really what happened behind the scenes but I know what ended up happening was the book got pulled out of the library and they like ripped the page out because I remember going back and being super you know curious as a curious child that I was and went back and tried to find the page because my mom, I mean, clearly a kid, you're going to tell a kid it's bad to read this one thing. The kid's going to want to read that thing. Are you kidding? Like you tell a kid not to do something and that just encourages them to do it. So I went back and found the book again and the page was ripped out. And that was a kind of my first exposure to something that was controversial in a book or something that wasn't easily digested, you know, by all. And that wasn't so childlike. It was something that was really adult and very hard. And so that was the first time. And then soon after that, when I was in middle school, towards the end of middle school, so I was in eighth grade, this was actually also the year or the the school year where I started my YouTube channel um, in 2009. So about 10, almost a little more than 10 years ago, kind of. And I remember towards the beginning of my eighth grade year, I had this one class, it was like a creative writing type English class. I don't know the exact what it was exactly, but I knew it was English and it was kind of targeted on like literature and reading. There's a lot of reading involved. And so one of the projects we had to choose a book from this list of really acclaimed books. Um, like very, you, you know, you've probably heard like Catcher in the Rye, a bunch of titles like that. Um, and we had to choose a book from that list and we had two options. We could either write a paper that was like 20 pages or make a video describing the book and the the key themes of the book and things like that and present a video to the class. And most people, of course, chose the paper because they didn't really have any video capabilities back then or, you know, even just considered making a a movie or something. So I naturally was one that chose to do the video. And I chose, the book that I chose was The Bell Jar by Sylvia Plath, um, which if you haven't read it, trigger warning, um, it's a book heavily rooted in suicide and kind of depression mental illness just really she was a very troubled girl the the narrator the subject of the book and it was actually semi-autobiographical so you know Sylvia Plath as we know was a very troubled person too so it was just reading the book I devoured it like it was such a good book and I really loved just the writing and it was probably the most exposure I had ever gotten to mental illness and to suicide in, which was insane because I just don't really remember it ever being so focused on in school. It was really never focused on, which is very ironic and sad considering my town, my hometown in Maryland, was a huge suicide town. There was a lot of people that committed suicide in my town. Again, trigger, I'm sorry if this triggers you. Basically, if you read the book, you know she's cutting herself. There's all these scenes of self-harm and things like that. And I'm like, how on earth am I going to depict this in a video you know and like so I made it very metaphoric and I also I got red food dye and I would just drop it into uh, a, a bowl of water and film the red food dye in the water and like didn't you know outwardly say this is blood but that was kind of what it symbolized so there's a lot of symbolism but it was like a lot of just very graphic symbolism for an eighth grader to be depicting in a video. Just the whole, the video was just so, I remember my class being amazed that I was able to create this video because I had all these video editing techniques at a young age and whatever, and I really was able to like just 
articulate what the book was about in a like one minute long just like kind of very like I said very metaphorical because I didn't want to show a lot of like I didn't really know how to portray suicide and things like that and nor should I have had to I feel like when I chose this book and told my I don't know my professor maybe should have thought a little bit deeper about what I would create with this video but I'm happy I got to do it because it ultimately led to me really realizing that there was a such thing as like a very controversial type of creation like this like I made this video I showed it to the class everyone was kind of shook <laughs> because not only was it a really well-made video at the time for my age and my you know creativity level but also it was kind of disturbing to be honest and I didn't really realize how disturbing it would be to some people to see like essentially me pr pretending to be the main character that's suicidal you know and so my professors or my my teacher it was like a co-taught class it was like one teacher and then there was like a, a co-teacher had to pull me out into the hallway after I presented the video and ask me if I need to see the psychiatrist the school psych psychiatrist or if I needed support or if I was suicidal if I was having mental health issues myself you know because based on how I was able to create this video portraying this book like they thought that I had to have been suicidal to be able to show something like that. I don't really recall what I said back to them but I assume it was something along the lines of like no I'm not um, but that was kind of again where I realized that words and the things that are written in books really have power and they really affect people because I had never, like I said, I'd never been really exposed to mental illness or suicide before. I didn't really know what a person that was feeling these things even thought or was, you know, and so reading The Bell Jar was really helpful for that reason. And, you know, I can see how it could, it could negatively impact people. But for me, a very sheltered girl in this very upper middle class town that was very like above everyone was just perfect you know everyone needed to be portrayed as perfect no one wanted to show their real sides and if they were struggling and so being able to be exposed to this through this book that was on this list of you know I didn't come up with this and I initially I chose it because I thought the bell jar sounded like a very pretty book like a, a jar of bells like you know gleaming in the sunlight like that's what I pictured and that was just not at all <laughs> what it ended up being about but I'm happy that I was I was exposed and you know even to this day I I've heard, you know, I've read things where it's like the bell jar, the bell jar, and I'm like, I've read that book, I understand that book. And reading the bell jar, making this little project from the bell jar really ins was kind of the first wave of me starting to read books that were a little bit out there. Um, and just reading a ton of books in general. It started my hunger for books because I wasn't extremely well liked in high school, as you guys know. I, I talk about this all the time. But books were my safe place. Making videos was my safe place. I feel like my videos got better. And people were actually pretty amazed when I was younger at my vocabulary level. Um, I would just throw around all these big words that I did genuinely know the meaning of. And it was because of all the books I was reading, to be honest. Like, I've read so many, I've read so many books. And I love it. I think that books are power words are power and that's what Toni Morrison says which is what I'm going to get into in just a few minutes but before I do I have this quote that I want to read that's just really powerful um it's from this Instagram account called notes from your therapist great account I think one of my followers actually sent it to me and was like this account is something you're gonna love and lo and behold I adore it um so one of the quotes on the page that I wanted to read and I actually wrote down a paraphrased version and so I don't know what the actual let me look I have this like a bunch in my saved folder on Instagram and I just like screenshot them um but I love the style of these quotes because 
they're very they're handwritten it's like a memo pad that your therapist has um okay so this one says i still prefer people in my life talk about what's hard and not just be positive or nice or stoic all the time that just reminds me too much of growing up when no one mentioned the painful scary things actually going on and oh we were so very unprepared and that just kind of sums it up. I felt like before I kind of accessed this new world of truth in books and on the internet and things like that, I just, I felt so kind of just closed off to the rest of the world. And I still am kind of dealing with lasting effects of that today where I just, I say some things or I feel some things, think some things that are just so naive because it's taken me some time to get full exposure to the rest of the world and to people that aren't at all like me people that have way harder challenges and just different challenges than me and so I think it's so important to kind of just make yourself as uncomfortable as possible and really figure out how you can learn and get to the root of these things and taking a quick little break in our episode I want to introduce one of our sponsors this episode of Thick and Thin is sponsored by HelloFresh as you guys know I use HelloFresh personally in my own kitchen and I just cannot talk about them enough I love HelloFresh they are America's number one meal kit where you can get mouth-watering seasonal recipes and pre-measured ingredients delivered right to your front door they make cooking at home super fun and easy and affordable their recipes are delicious you can get out of your dinner rut and try HelloFresh's 22 plus seasonal chef curated recipes every single week and there's something for everyone in each box which is great also you can save time which is always limited in my life and many people's lives HelloFresh cuts out the stressful meal planning and prepping time so you can just focus on enjoying your meal and eating with your family or your roommates or just by yourself and enjoying your food and I didn't know this but the average trip to the grocery store actually takes 41 minutes so that is like over 35 hours a year if you go once a week and HelloFresh cuts that out completely so you have more time to yourself they also help you eat more sustainably so their pre-portioned ingredients means that there's less prep and less food waste which is always great Um, and you can also it's really flexible so you can add meals or lunches to your weekly order throw in yummy sides and desserts like garlic bread and cookie dough or easily just change and alter your delivery days food preferences etc it's super customizable so I love HelloFresh personally I like when things are super just spelled out for me and very in like black and white very clear on how to make things and that's exactly my experience with HelloFresh. I love them so very much and as you guys know I do have a special deal for you guys as always. Just go to hellofresh.com slash hellokaty10 that's hello k-a-t-y 10 and use my code hellokaty10 for 10 free meals including free shipping. So hellofresh.com slash hellokaty10 and use my code hellokaty10. And that kind of leads me into the story of Toni Morrison, who is the remarkable, or was, but still is, the remarkable woman that really just, there's so much I can say about her, and I'm going to say a ton of things about her, but truthfully, I think the best way you can learn about her is watching this documentary that I watched last night, which is called Pieces I Am, Toni Morrison, Pieces I Am. I watched it on Amazon Prime, but I believe it's also on Hulu and some other places. It was released last year, actually a few months before she died. She died in August, August uh, 5th last year in the Bronx, so not even far from where I am right now. Um, after a very long, you know, pretty long life, she died of cancer, which is very sad, but her life was just so, there's just so much that happened that I want to talk about. Um, she was born in 1931 in Ohio and has just 
left such a mark on our world and has just changed a lot of things which as you guys know I love change makers I love just people that make some noise shake things up a little bit so that is why I'm talking about Tony today Um, but before I do I just want to say kind of the reason why I chose not the reason why I chose her I've had her on my list for a while of people I wanted to talk about um but especially now it's February it's Black History Month and although I talk about women of all color on my podcast you know any given month of the year I felt that this month especially I should talk about women of color that have made huge waves and impacts in history and it's actually kind of it struck me because I posted on my story last night that I was going to talk about her and the support that I got or just the people that responded to my story you know of me talking about how I was going to speak about her saying it's just shocking that you know you're the only white influencer that I follow that has even mentioned Black History Month and that just sent a shiver up and down my spine I think the reason and this is just coming from me you know kind of feeling this myself for a lot of my life not knowing if it's my place you know and just feeling like I I would just get the wrong reaction from people and people wouldn't wouldn't see it as me respecting and honoring black people but instead just capitalizing off of their month and their history and their struggle and so I want to just make it clear that that's not what I'm doing today I think it's just so important for me to honor the 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 just in crazy crazy life-changing things that black women especially men as well but women is you know who I focus on on this podcast just that the waves that they've made in history and I feel like so many of their accomplishments have kind of just been put to the back burner while white accomplishments and white women that have done the same things that these black women have done are just championed way louder. And that is just so not okay on so many levels in my book. So today we're gonna to talk about Toni Morrison, who was an American writer. Uh, basically, she was really known for the bread and butter of what she did was examining black experience particularly black female experience. She received the Nobel Prize for Literature in 1993. She received the Medal of Honor from Obama. She was very recognized for her achievements and for her, her writing style and just being amazing, but it didn't. It wasn't always like that. And she was also one of the most controversial writers in history, especially talking about black issues and black experience because uh you know she she was known for saying that a lot of the books that she wrote were kind of in response to there being nothing else like it in the sense that she felt like she wanted these books she wanted to read these books about black experience that made sense to her and that were written for her and you know written in a, in a gaze that made sense to her but they didn't exist yet so she took it upon herself to create those books and make them herself and while I was doing research on Tony this was the first thing that really reached out and grabbed me by the shoulders and shook me a little bit you know her quote where she says I wrote my first novel because I wanted to read it and she's constantly when she was alive was constantly advising people that you have to create if you want something you have to be the one to make it you know and you you can't sit back and wait for someone else to make the thing that you need she was known for kind of laying the whole plot of books out on the first page and kind of beckoning people to keep reading although the whole plot was already laid out in front of them you know she didn't really keep anything a, a huge secret she was like here's the plot if you like it keep reading sort of thing she was raw she was controversial a lot of her books were actually banned from schools because of what they you know portrayed and they were worried about kids reading them and feeling certain things because of the books and 
she kind of she of course she didn't like love that especially in her her home state of Ohio they a lot of the books were banned in Ohio and her response to that was books a lot of times are the first plane where battles are fought and words have power she was known for saying numerous times her big quote the big quote that people you know see and think of her is words have power And, you know, in her poetic style, her strong and textured novels, she really just wrote with power, a power that really grabbed people and really made people feel things, made people scream and cry and throw her books against the wall and, you know, a number of emotions. And she did that to people with a single book, with just words strung along. You know, she was able to do that. And she she told this story in her documentary of when she was growing up, she was a child, growing up in Ohio with her sister and they uh, they learned to write read and write by using pebbles on the sidewalk and writing out words on the sidewalk with these pebbles and at one point they saw this word written down the street and they wanted to recreate the word because they were trying to learn all the letters and they were they started writing f u it was f it was fuck f u c k um and their mom came out and started screaming at them and was like you got to go get the soap and the 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 broom and we got to get rid of that on the sidewalk and that was when Tony started to realize how or just how powerful words could be and how they could just make someone scream and cry and get upset and words can have that power on upon people and yeah so that's kind of where the documentary kicked off and started you definitely have to watch it I'm going to kind of paraphrase the rest of it but that was where it kind of started off um she also she goes on to say more things about how the books of her time or that were around when she was younger she she didn't even start writing until she was 39 so before that when she was younger reading books in her teens in her 20s in her even early 30s she felt that the books that she was reading weren't written for her. They were not talking to her. And that was super just profound for me to think about because, I mean, I'm a white woman, as we know. And so a lot of books, especially back even in the earlier times, like the, the older historical books and just books that I've read and have had to read for school, were written, directed at me and white men and white people. And the books, especially depicting black people, at that time before she came around and really shook things up, they were written for white people. Even books that were depicting black characters and where black characters were main characters in the book were written for white people. And Toni kind of broke that down in her documentary, which was just super eye-opening to me. Uh, just this, this documentary as a whole was just so eye-opening to me. I think it's important, it's essential that everyone watches it. Um, she also was talking about the reason why we write and you know why do we even create stories and write to begin with. I'm reading my notes just to make sure I get this right. She said, we write because we don't know. And that was crazy. I mean, just like such a a simple sentence is just really eye-opening. It's, you know, she was saying, we write because we don't know what's really going on in our heads, what's really going on around us. And we write because it really puts into words the things that we don't know. And we write to find out what we don't know about ourselves, about the world, about other people. And that's the reason. And that really struck me because just to think that Toni Morrison was a woman that considered herself not knowing things she in every interview in every book is so just just a wealth of just knowledge and knowing and understanding and she picks up on small details that I never would have picked up on and she just strings her words in such a poetic beautiful way and her admitting that she doesn't know things and that's the reason why she writes was just so it really unlocked something in me and I'm happy I read or heard that heard her say that in the documentary 
So guys, I want to take a quick little break to talk about one of the most amazing eczema creams I have ever tried because you guys know I've talked about them on Instagram, on YouTube, and so I definitely have to talk about them on the podcast as well. I've struggled with eczema my entire life, just itchy, red, angry skin that just hurts and it's frustrating because you want to itch it, but you can't itch it. You're not supposed to. So I've been working on changing up my diet, other factors in my day-to-day, but the most important thing that I've done is started using an eczema cream that works for me and that is glad skin eczema cream basically it's i mean there's a lot of science that goes into the creams and how they're created and stuff like that but basically microbiologists are finally getting to the root of eczema and figuring out what causes it and they found that nearly all people with eczema have a bacterial imbalance so glad skin eczema cream was created to resolve this by restoring skin's healthy balance and the microbiome and that is what's been working on my skin i really love the cream uh you can get it online us.gladskin.com and i'll have the link in the show notes of this episode so you guys can shop it easily basically i've been using it for the past two months now and i've really i really started to notice a big difference after a few weeks but now two months later i've really noticed my skin texture going back to normal certain areas have taken a bit longer to heal but overall i'm less itchy it's less frustrating i'm not as embarrassed by my skin and so i truly do love glad skin and if you are suffering with eczema I think you should really try it out for yourself. Like I said, us.gladskin.com. If you're in the US, they also have it in the UK. Just type in gladskin.com and something should come up for sure. Um, But definitely shop Gladskin. And I also want to thank them for sponsoring this podcast episode. But probably the biggest aha moment that I got from hearing about her story, reading about her story, was the fact that Tony didn't post, or sorry, it's my social media brain talking. She didn't publish her first book, until she was 39. So end of her 30s, basically 40. She had two kids. She, her husband left her uh, with two kids and she was working at Random House Publishing in New York after having a slew of teaching jobs, was still sort of teaching at the same time, was just having no time to write. Like she, she published her first book at 39 and people would consider that old. People did consider that old. Which is shocking because I feel like this is like a whole nother issue, but I feel like with men, you would never say that 39 is old. You would say, oh, like he's wise, he's mature, he's seen the world. But for a woman with two kids, a woman of color, especially, it's like, oh, that's old. And that just, that's a whole nother can of worms I can unbox here. But anyway, so she started when she was 39 writing all these books. Well, she was writing, but she was publishing all these books at 39. She was also an editor at Random House Publishing and working on other people's books. So she was like just a really passionate, she was passionate about books, Um, but she was working in a white man's world. And it was something that was difficult for her, but also a challenge that she accepted and she she really made it her own and made it her bitch. Um, There was one moment that I wrote down that I was just Is it possible to be proud of someone that's no longer alive and that's way older than you? But I'm proud of her for this moment because she, essentially when she was working at Random House, she was also nervous to even become an author because she knew that she was hired to be an editor and they didn't need any more writers. They needed more editors. They needed more people to, you know, like her to edit and not to write and they didn't want her she was assuming this that they didn't want her to be a writer ultimately she became one of the best writers they ever had (laughs) but you know at the time when she first was hired and working there again as a mother busy person didn't think that anyone needed more writers but she again had a story she needed to tell she needed this angle to be covered she needed more stories 
like hers. So she did it. But uh, when she was still, she was working as an editor, writing at the same time, publishing books, but also still an editor at Random House. And at one point, uh, you know, it was the end of the year that people were getting raises, people were getting bonuses for the end of the year, etc. That happens in the corporate world. And she noticed all of her male colleagues that were at the same level as her in the editor world were getting higher pay grades than her, getting higher bonuses than her. And this is like a whole, you know, an issue that's so relevant now of just pay, the pay uh, gap and, you know, people having to fight for getting equal pay in their industries. And she went to her boss or to the head honcho of the person that was in charge of giving out bonuses and such and said, this is all she said. Well, she said, I noticed that, you know, they're getting paid more than me, X, Y, Z. But she said, I am head of household just like you. And she repeated this in the documentary multiple times. And it just, every time she said it, it like made, I I cried a little bit during this documentary. It doesn't take a lot to make me cry. But this moment was one of those crying moments for me because she was doing all this stuff, writing these stories, bleeding on the page, literally publishing other people's books. And she was a mother. She had two boys at home that needed her. And she didn't have anyone else to help her besides her family. She had a great family. She was a you know great cook. There's a bunch of things I could say about how great of a mother she was too, but she didn't have a husband to help her. And that was kind of her power, but it was also something that she needed to fight for things like getting equal pay. So she said, I am head of household just like you because she was head of household, you know, with her two kids. And this guy, this male, this white man she was talking to was head of household. And so she said that that ultimately she got the raise because, you know, she stood up to this guy and stood up for herself and her family. And that was just like, wow, girl power at its finest. And I mean, that was just a great moment. And I'm happy that she described that moment in the documentary. Um, But someone was saying that, you know, when she was driving into work from, um, you know, where she lived and then driving into the city because she worked at Random House, as I said, she would write her novels kind of on the steering wheel of her car at red lights. Or when she was waiting at the tunnel to come into the city, she would like jot something down on her steering wheel on like a yellow legal pad. She was always writing on legal pads. And she said that when she was writing at home, she would always keep the door open. She had like an open door policy at home because she didn't want her kids to think that she was shutting them out ever. Like she didn't want her, her kids to ever think that they couldn't talk to her, they couldn't access her. And so she didn't get a ton of writing done at home because she was had the door open and she would have to wake up super early. She said she would wake up at 6 a.m. or earlier to get writing done before her boys woke up. And just anything like that, you know, reading about a mother, it's just so eye-opening to me to think that I complain about getting my shit done when, you know, someone has two kids, they're a woman of color, they're a woman in this time period where they had very minimal rights. But I think that Tony's work was made better in a way because she knew this struggle and she could paint her characters in this way because of what she experienced. And if you guys don't know, I'm sure many of you guys are familiar with her books because a lot of them were assigned throughout schooling and you should just, you should know her books are really amazing. You should pick them up. Um, her, Her main themes are kind of, like I said, examining the black experience, but in all of her books or most of her books there's an unjust society element um, where her characters are kind of grappling with finding themselves and their cultural identity especially as black men and women in unjust time periods um, 
and I think it's just so interesting reading her books and she actually said this in one of her classes that she taught she mentioned this in the documentary as well one of her assignments that she gave her kids in her or her class what are her pupils her the people that took her classes was to write a paper or kind of just a story about a person that is nothing like you that is completely different than you different race different gender different standing in society right from that person's lens try to get in their head and understand what it would be like to be them and that is how you start understanding you know just understanding people is quite literally trying to write a book from their point of view because for most of us it'd be very difficult without having to do a lot of research and talk to people that are actually in that situation and that are actually of that color and really get in their heads and just see how different our lives are. And I think a lot of people would really benefit from doing an exercise like that and focus more of their time on trying to understand people rather than just hating on people for how they are and the things they can't change about themselves and things like that or just pretending like we we know everything there is to know about people that have different struggles and different challenges and different just different things to them so reading her books really unlocks something in me reading excerpts of her books even just hearing her speak is something that's just so important and it makes me a little uncomfortable only because I feel like a good uncomfortable I will add because it's something it's just a way I've never really heard things said before and I've never really been exposed to a lot of the cultural things that she's writing and talking about and it's good it's a good uncomfortable because it's making me learn all the things I didn't have any idea or any just I didn't think I had time to learn about and a lot of the things weren't taught in school and whatever so it's good to read about these things and one of her books, The Bluest Eye, which was her first book, actually, in 1970 that she put out, um, like I said in the beginning, she really honed in on women friendship being like really triumphed in books, and especially women of color having friendships that were super important and just life-changing, and so that was one of her key themes, but in this book, um, she kind of was drawing on personal experiences, and there was this, this moment from her childhood where a girl said to her, I know God isn't real. I don't believe in God and I know he's not real because, and she's like, why? Like, why do you think that? And the girl says, I've been praying every single day for blue eyes and I still have brown eyes. And she looked at her friend who had this beautiful, deep skin tone, a beautiful girl through and through. And she thought to herself, like, I can't believe that this girl is praying every day for blue eyes and considers God to not even exist because she doesn't wake up with blue eyes and that really inspired the book for her and for me I was reading that and I was just thinking to myself you know I guess I'll never fully understand that pain because I am a white woman with blue eyes this is just a whole nother narrative but it's like just you know what you want what you don't have the grass is always greener and so reading that even just kind of shook me a little bit and I want to read the rest of that book I haven't actually read that book so I'm gonna go get it I'm gonna march myself over to the bookstore after this and go pick it up honestly when I'm going shopping but yeah she used history as a tool she turned it into a raw literary art she bled on the page she was doing all of this as a black woman in a white man's world and she she knew words have words have power no matter what your age no matter what your genre what you're doing words have power and 
she she fought battles with her books and she still does to this day and so Toni Morrison the late Toni Morrison may she rest in peace she really contributed so much to our world and a few more quotes that she said that were super profound and I needed to share there's three quotes um the first one that was more of a racial quote in this country American means white everyone else has to hyphenate I never thought of it this way, ever. And this could just be, be me like being so siloed in my whiteness, but it's so true. I feel like no one says white American hyphenated. They say African American or Mexican American or, you know, and that, that really just shocked me. And I think that's so just, wow, and unfair and a number of things. She said that. She also said, you are your best thing which I love and I want to get that like tattooed on my forehead I love it I want to I'm actually going to write it out I think and make it a wallpaper you guys can download I'm going to start making a ton of wallpapers pretty soon Um, but I think that that quote is just a wow quote you are your best thing amen and the third quote I wanted to mention was as you enter positions of trust and power dream a little before you think as you enter positions of trust and power dream a little before you think. I love that. I think as we age, we get, we definitely fall into positions of trust and power and needing both those things so much. And we, we think a lot before we dream. So that was powerful to me too. So chew on those quotes, think about those for the rest of the day. Um, and I really hope you guys enjoyed this episode. I'm trying to think if I left anything out, of course, I mean, her story is so much bigger than this. Um, there's so much more that I could talk about, but These are the main themes from her story that I just think are so important and everyone needs to know it. Everyone needs to share it. And I'm really happy that I was able to tell her story today. Um, Toni Morrison, who I will say her original name was actually not Toni Morrison. I probably should have started with that. Her original name at birth was Chloe Anthony Wofford. Um, And Toni Morrison is just the name she kind of concocted from that. And Morrison was her previous husband's name that left her. Um, So yeah. Anyway, that is what I wanted to share And as far as Tony's life goes. If you guys ever have women that you'd like me to look into and talk about on the podcast, all you have to do is DM me. I read all of my DMs, so definitely do that if you think that there's someone that is just so important for me to speak about. I will. And I hope you guys enjoy this episode. I will talk to you guys all next Thursday. Bye. Bye.